You know, you can't help but go into uh, a grocery store, uh, a restaurant, uh, and, and if you go to the bathroom, you will see it often posted in several places. Employees must wash their hands. The fact is, is it's a critical thing in order to, you know, wash away uh, the germs and the dirt that is on one's hands. And the fact is, is, you know, this is something that, you know, we ourselves need to do to, to make ourselves clean. And, well, the truth is this. Some would even say today that, you know, we've, we've become obsessed with killing the germs that actually in some ways they say we have killed the, the healthy bacteria and microbes and, well, we actually are more unhealthy in that regard than we are healthy. I don't know if that's true. But I do know that there is that need to be cleansed. And in our you know, reading today, we have this teaching uh, of Jesus. You might have missed it because you know, it's the situation that he enters this conversation in, but this discussion about the importance of clean hands. The truth is our physical clean hands are nothing when compared to the clean hearts that the Lord is talking about in our readings this day. Some kind time ago, uh, there was a, uh, a Hollywood celebrity, and I remember this in the back of my mind and in the midst of things this weekend. I haven't had a chance to Google it and see if I could find who it is, but hear the story. The fact is this celebrity had the opportunity to go to Taiwan and have an audience with the president of Taiwan. And they were going to spend a more than an hour with this individual, and the intent of this celebrity was to address the treatment of dogs. Now, there's no doubt that, you know, animals, and dogs included, are God's creation. They are to be valued. We, in a sense, as those who've been given charge over all creation, have a responsibility for the care for them. But I find it kind of interesting, don't you? That if you had the opportunity to spend, you know, some time with, in a face-to-face -face discussion with the president of a country, would you discuss the issue of the treatment of animals? Or would you discuss something else? Well, I certainly wouldn't. And I think that's a little bit of the contrast that Jesus is getting at in our reading today. This contrast between the end of Mark 6 and his encounter with the Pharisees and the scribes in chapter 7 of Mark. It's very remarkable. Because in chapter 6, the, the people are receiving him with exultation and with worship and with awe. They are seeing him do these miracles and heal people. And they are coming to him and they are worshiping him genuinely and from their heart and with their very lives. And then we move to chapter 7. And we have his encounter with the Pharisees and the scribes and they get stuck. 
They get stuck on a, a mixture of what was taught for the Levitical laws and how one you know, should prepare before eating and so forth and the laws of man. And what ends up happening is that the laws of man, the ideas of man, how now predominate. They take precedence. Their priority. Not God's will, not God's intention, and for that matter, therefore, not truly God's word. We have uh, Jesus address them with these words. Now, when the Pharisees gathered around Jesus with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of the disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked, Why don't your disciples walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? Now back to a private audience. If you had that opportunity for a private audience with Jesus, as these Pharisees and scribes appeared to have, what would you discuss? <laughs> Hand-washing? Something of more substance and value and significance both in this world, but how about eternally? You know, whether it was not washing their hands at all or not washing their hands thoroughly enough doesn't really matter. Jesus' opponents seem to have lost sight of what's priority. They seem to have lost sight of what's really important when it comes to God and His teaching and His will and His plan. They have put human concerns before and above what's important to God. The contrast here is this idea or this sense of being surface clean. Just cleaning the surface. And over the last couple of weeks with Dad in the hospital and hospice, you know, I've had time to celebrate and remember all kinds of things. And, and one of the things that, uh, when I was reading this, that struck me was uh, the bath test I had to go through. You remember that? You'd be sent to go take your bath, and then you'd come out, and mom or dad would check you to make sure you were really clean. And you better do better than just washing the obvious, like your hands and your face. Because mom was going to look behind your ears. Mom was going to look and see if you clean between your toes. In a sense, that's what Jesus is challenging these teachers of the law on. On the surface, they're following or at least a portion of or what was maybe initially there with the Levitical laws. But now they've taken it far beyond. On the surface, it looks like, wow, yeah, aren't they holy and righteous? Aren't they following God's laws and teaching? But they've gone way beyond it now. And they're no longer really even concerned that these were the teachings of God with good reason, that as you come to God, you know, you come to Him, you know, and submit to Him and come to Him humbly, and He cleans you. 
Well, our Lord reminds his questioners that they still need to learn what it truly means to be clean of the heart. Centuries before, through the prophet Isaiah, the Lord had tried to teach Israel to check for true cleanness by considering their hearts. Not the outward appearance, not the superficial, but the heart. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And you and I would make a, a mistake, the same mistake, if we miss the way that Jesus introduces this quote from Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. And right after this, Jesus will speak of the commandments God gave and how these ancient words of God should shape the lives and the thoughts of his hearers. The Pharisees are more concerned about whether people's hands are clean than whether their hearts have been cleansed and filled with the peace that passes all understanding that Jesus has brought to the world. No doubt, my dear friends, that is exactly the sort of thing that happens when we stop asking what's important to God. Our priorities are all messed up. You've heard the expression lip service, but did you know that many believe that that, that expression, that saying, comes from this text? It's not just a, you know, an American you know, saying of you know, uh, what we know what it's to mean. You, know, you say one thing, but you do another. I, I know as a dad, one of the things I had to learn was to be very much aware of myself, to be aware that what I said to our two daughters also matched what I was doing. Because my example was even a more powerful teaching tool and discipling tool. The Lord expects more than the superficial, you know, giving him lip service, showing up for worship for an hour, and then we go off and we live our lives completely separate from integrating what we have heard, what we have been taught, what we believe into every single aspect and area of our lives. My dear friends, I guess the question here is, so how are you doing at keeping your priorities straight? Is your life really built around, you know, being aligned with and, and following the will and the plan and the teachings of God? Or are they more aligned with your plans and your objectives and your goals? And as long as God's don't interfere with it, it's okay. Otherwise, we try to keep that at a distance, saying, well, that's, that's my area. When I hear that first person pronoun of my, I recognize the area that many of us at times struggle with or should, which is 
you know, we try to separate or segment our faith from the rest of our lives. Why do we call him Lord? It's not just a name. It's not like James. No, it's it's a position. It's a place of honor and power. And we as his subjects, we as his people, we as his children are called to submit unto him. To honor him. To follow his word and his will. If Isaiah's words are prophesied about us, and if Jesus' warning speak to us, we should examine our own lips and hearts, hands and heads, to see how we're doing. How have we lost sight of what's really priority, of what's really important? What human traditions and priorities of our own or even of Yes, the institutional church have we allowed to interfere and to distract from God's. I think today in this, and it's not even a post-Christian world we're in anymore, it's a pre-Christian, because a post-Christian means people once had that foundation you have that basis to begin the conversation with. A pre-Christian world is when you are engaged with and living beside people who have no foundation or no even basic understanding of the teachings of our faith. That's the world you and I are living in. And if we are to engage them, then we need to understand more fully and honor the Lord. I say that because we need to take down whatever barriers might be in our individual lives and in the church as well that can keep people away. It's why prayerfully we as a church ultimately ended up having both traditional worship as we are right now this morning and contemporary worship. It's why you know, we have sought to be a church that isn't just about the activities and the things we do together as the members of the church, but it's why we are often looking for and planning and finding ways to be the church, the called out ones in the community. It's why people say, you guys have that many kids and you're opening up an early learning center? We're like, no. It's for the children and the community. We can pour Jesus into them every day. That We can help them to come to understand who God is, the love of God, and the forgiveness and hope that can be found and is found in Jesus Christ alone. So sometimes we have to take a look at some of the the traditions and things that we think are, well, this is how it is. I mean, let's be honest. There are some churches where you go, and Moses brought the hymnal down from the Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments. Did you know that? But that's how they present it. And the organ he carried on his back. Now listen, You've probably heard me singing. My mic's been on. I love the hymns. I love the liturgy. I mean, I could forsake it all, but I don't want to because God speaks through this. This is how He speaks to you and me, but He speaks to others in other ways. 
We have to be honest to look at those things that we have somehow at times made law and ordinances that get in the way of God's priorities and God's will. The Pharisees' ungodly or wrong approach is shown in the behavior that results. They were replacing God's word with man's. They were listening to human traditions that established themselves at the cost of the honor due God's word and will. And that results in a life that is lived for self, a life that has misplaced priorities. And the truth is, as we look at ourselves, we see that our hands may be clean, but our hearts, they're anything but. Human traditions may set standards for outward cleanness, but they can never make us clean within. Jesus points out the true source of the Pharisees' uncleanness because he wants to make them clean on the inside. This is clearly demonstrated in the casting out of the unclean spirit and the compassion Jesus shows the crowd and the accounts that will follow later in chapter 7 of Mark. Jesus draws our attention away from human traditions which cannot save us to focus on God's word that can God's word, spoken to us and for us, exposed the dirt behind our ears, the dirt we've been hiding and hope that no one will see, the dirt that gets in our eyes and blinds us to the needs of those around us, the dirt that clogs our hearts and kills us. But the point of all this is not so God can say, look, you're dirty. But instead... Rather, the Lord calls us from our priorities, our human tradition, to God's word and his priority and letting his voice declare us clean. And you've already heard it this morning when I said, your sins are forgiven in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This really gets at what is worship. What God wants from his people. And with that in mind, I'm drawn to a number of scriptures, and these are only a few of many that address this. But Samuel, when, or First Samuel uh, says this in chapter 15, he says, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. Or Hosea chapter 6, 6 the Lord says, For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 9 repeated this saying when he, he said, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He wants our whole He wants our very selves. Every aspect, every area, every day, every hour. And when we get our priorities messed up, mixed up, 
He's there waiting with open arms to say, I forgive you. May the peace that passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds rooted and growing and living according to the priorities of our Lord and Savior. Amen.